This is the Booze Tutor Podcast, and class is in session here on the WGOB Network. Pull up a chair and get comfortable, and let's talk some booze. And this week, it's session two, the cream ale. If you missed either our introductory episode or the first episode, which is our standard American lager and American light lager, uh, feel free to go back, check those out. Of course, we'll be here waiting for you, and we want you to be all caught up as we, as we move along. So session two keeps us in the standard American beer category, which is the cream ale. The cream ale is perhaps the, I would say, the most inaccurately named beer style that you're, you're going to encounter, um, at least as it relates to traditional versions of the style. There are some breweries, you know, breweries today that are doing some, some things with the style that skew it back more towards the name of a cream ale, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll speak about that uh, towards the end. Cream ales, as a general rule, do not contain any dairy, contrary to what their name may have you believe. So as we move along through this this module, this session, we're going to focus mostly on what's considered to be the traditional version of the cream ale style. And then, like I said, at the end, we'll dive a little tiny bit into, I would say most notably, carton brewing, for example, what they're doing with their cream ales. Uh, again, as a Jersey person, Carton Brewing in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. So, you know, uh, hometown plug. They're not really hometown, but you get it. So, for now, what makes a cream ale a cream ale? Truthfully, there's no easy answer to the question, um, historically speaking. So, nobody's really clear where the actual name of the style comes from. There's very little historical data as to which brewery first coined the term, um, uh, first term, coined the term cream ale, or even which part of the country the name originated in. Some, there is some thought that the term was used, you know, simply as a marketing term to mean kind of silky or smooth with, uh, the cream soda as the, as the example. Um, cream ale is, it's related to pale ale, but it's still more similar to a standard American lager, as you'll see as we go along. Uh, it shares far more in common with that than it does the pale ale. In fact, I, I read an article that uh, was pretty funny. It called the cream ale the, let me think of the right word, it was the bastard son of the German lagers and the English ales, which is fairly apropos. Um, it's been called... The cream ale has been called the first beer style to be actually totally originated by American brewers, as opposed to styles that came with German or English immigrants. Uh, this is back, of course, in, in the 1800s. What history does tell us is that um, the cream ale was produced by ale brewers in an effort to compete with the lager brewers in Canada, as well as lager brewers that had caught on, that had caught on in other parts of the United States. The strictest definition is it's an ale version of an American lager style. I guess that's your strictest definition of a cream ale if you're if you're looking for that. Now that is to say that the cream ale is uh, they're they're top fermented ales that typically undergo a cold conditioning period, which is also known as lagering, uh, and that occurs after the completion of the primary fermentation of the beer. At least in, in more modern examples, that's that's true. But it's not necessarily true historically, that process. 
Sometimes in the process, brewers would even add a strain of lager yeast during fermentation or a combination of lager and ale yeast strains. So I'm sure an obvious question has popped into your head, which is, what does top fermenting mean? What is a top fermenting yeast? So in the old, in the old days, because these two styles are a lot more common or a lot more closely related now than they were then, really there were two strains of yeast when it came to um, brewing beer. There, were, there was your, your top fermenting yeast, which is your Saccharomyces cerevisiae, uh, typically it's considered to be an ale yeast. And then there was the lager yeast, which is your Saccharomyces uh, uverum. Like I said, today they're, they're more in the same family. They're more closely related than, than they were then. Uh, and generally a top fermenting yeast is a yeast strain that's, be, that's best, and I'm uh, quoting beer advocate here. It's a yeast strain best used at temperatures ranging from 10 to 25 degrees Celsius although some strains will not actively ferment below 12 degrees Celsius. Ale yeasts are generally regarded as top fermenting yeasts since they rise to the surface during fermentation, creating a very thick, rich yeast head. This is why the term top fermenting is associated with ale yeasts. Fermentation by ale yeasts at these relatively warmer temperatures produces a beer that's high in esters, which many regard as a distinctive character of ale beers. Some examples of your top fermenting yeasts are for uh, brewing porters, stouts, alt beers, kolsches, and wheat beers. We'll get to all those styles, of course. Uh, Beer Advocate further says, as far as bottom fermenting yeasts, lager yeast strains are best used at temperatures ranging from 7 to 15 degrees Celsius. At these temperatures, lager yeasts grow less rapidly than ale yeasts and uh, and with less surface foam, they tend to settle out to the bottom of the fermenter, uh, the fermenter as fermentation nears completion. This is why they are often referred to as bottom yeasts. The final flavor of the beer will depend a great deal on the strain of lager yeast and the tempers, uh, temperatures at which it was fermented. So some of the lager styles made from bottom fermenting yeasts include Pilsners, Dortmunders, Marzen, Box, and American malt liquors. So if you're drinking that Colt 45 or that OE you're drinking a bottom fermented uh, beer. So uh, thanks to Beer Advocate for those two definitions. They explain it far better and far more concisely than I could because I can ramble on about what they are, but that's uh, that's better for both of us. So back to the cream ale. It's one of the few styles from the 1800s uh, that survived the Prohibition period that we talked about in the first episode. Um, that said, pre-Prohibition versions of the cream ale were definitely stronger and hoppier, uh, and had increased bitterness than what you might get today. Cream ales are considered to be called uh, present-use beers, and that uh, present-use essentially means it's a beer style that is uh, sold or meant to be sold young and is certainly not meant to sit on shelves. Many examples of the cream ale are krausened to achieve their carbonation, and I know, I know, the question is, what is krausening, right? So we have to veer away from the cream ale again for a minute to talk about krausening. Krausening, I don't think, will come as any shock uh, to some of you to know. It's a German word, which is a traditional method of carbonating beer without using sugars. So basically actively fermenting malt wort is added to the fermented beer to provide the malted sugars needed for carbonation. Uh, so what's wort? Wort is the liquid, 
extracted from the process of mashing grains during the brewing process. Wort, 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 yeah, I can talk. Wort will contain the sugars that will be fermented by the yeast to produce alcohol. Krausening was a widely used technique in Germany, especially in the production of their lagers. The technique was used basically so that the beers, uh, you know, back in the day, would still conform with the Rheinhaskabat, which we talked about, I think we talked about in the introductory episode, which is basically just the German purity law, which says that all beers can only be water, hops, and barley. And then uh, when Louis Pasteur, pretty sure it was Louis Pasteur, don't fact check me on that, uh, discovered yeast, they and they, they learned about the, the process that yeast plays in fermentation. That's added to so water, hops, barley, yeast. So anyway, back to the cream ale, as we've taken another diversionary road off. When you crack into a cream ale, when you pop it open, it should pour a pale straw to medium goldish color, uh, though it does tend to skew on the paler side, uh, which is why you know people say that it's related to the pale ale in some ways. It's going to have, or it should have, low to medium head with pretty fair head retention. Uh, it's definitely going to be highly carbonated. It's going to have a, a very brilliant, uh, bright clarity to it. When you're done staring at it, you're going to bring it up to your nose, and you should get a sweet, uh, almost corn-like aroma from it. Definitely going to have a lower malt aroma and hop aroma that can that can range from pretty much none to a very medium low, those aromas. If there is any hop aroma to be found in it, though, it's going to be any really, there's no real set answer. It's going to be any kind of variety of herbal, floral, or even spicy are probably the most common. You can have... Uh, you can detect low levels of DMS. Those are allowable. You'll remember from last time that's diamethyl sulfide. And generally speaking, it should just be a very subtle aroma with neither hops nor malts really dominating the aroma. Now it's uh, now it's sip time, right? So it gets to your mouth. Your mouthfeel is going to be fairly light. It's going to be probably somewhat crisp though the body can sometimes reach a, like a medium feel. Overall, the mouthfeel should be smooth with uh, medium to high attenuation. Uh, attenuation, I don't think we talked about in the first episode. Attenuation is a, basically just a percentage that measures the conversion of sugars into alcohol and carbon dioxide by the fermentation process. So in its simplest terms, uh, the more the more attenuated the beer, the drier and higher alcohol the beer. Again, just in its simplest terms. So it's in your mouth. What are you tasting? What's the flavor? Should be the cream ale should be somewhat st- similar actually to the standard American lager from the from last week's or from last uh, last session. I guess it was a little bit more than a week ago. The hot bitterness is going to be low, medium low, maybe. Um, and there's even going to be, again, like the like the standard American lager, low maltiness or maybe a medium maltiness and sweetness. It's, it's going to be highly carbonated again. It's definitely going to have, the, the cream ale is going to have a thirst quenching quality for sure. And that's based on 
the higher attenuation. There should be no domination, though, from either the hops or the malts uh, on your palate. It should just be fairly neutral all the way through. You may detect uh, a generally low to, to maybe moderate corn flavor, uh, as well as the light DMS, diamethosulfide, which, if you recall, can give off uh, flavors of like a, like a creamed corn. You can expect a somewhat dry finish in the mouth, or maybe, maybe, maybe a faintly sweet finish. Um, it's unusual, but I, I'll mention that there could be some fruity esters in the flavor. Very rare, but they could be there. Now, just like with the aroma, you're going to have a low to medium-low hop flavor. Uh, if there is any hop flavor, it typically follows the aroma as far as, you know, you may detect some spiciness, maybe a little bit of an herbal um, flavor, maybe a little bit of floral. But basically, it's just an easy-drinking, refreshing, clean, well-attenuated beer that's going to have, generally speaking, uh, more character, I guess you could say, than your typical American standard lager. It's a little bit more, I don't know, it's got a little bit more of an oomph to it. I don't, I don't know how you spell that, but that's a word. Uh, and generally through history, it's thought of as the more flavorful, flavorful American lawnmower beer. I'm sure you can figure out what that is. That's the, the beer you crack on your riding mower when you're, when you're mowing around or when you're mowing the lawn, right? America. So uh, your tech specs, it's going to be 4.2% ABV up to about 5.6%, 15 to 20 uh, IBUs, your bittering units, and about three to five SRM. So it's still going to be a very light beer. Foods, what do you eat? We talked about, I'm going to say pizza with everything, right? So beyond that, again, you're going to, you're going to look to your lighter fare. So your chicken your salad, your salmon, your Monterey Jack cheese. But I read somewhere that strangely, the cream ale also does pair fairly well with bratwurst. So, hey, what, what do you know, right? It's, a, it's almost like a German style, so I guess bratwurst makes sense. Your commercial examples, the most obvious one that when you hear the style, you probably think of if you spend any time in the beer world is, of course, Genesee cream ale. That's, that's the probably your your top example uh there is also new glarus spotted cow six point sweet action um let me think sun king sunlight cream ale narragansett's cream ale so just before we move on to sort of the newer what some of the newer places are doing it's hard to speak of cream ales without at least talking a little bit about the history of genesee cream ale because, after all, how do you talk about cream ale in America without talking about Genesee cream ale, right? So when you talk about the cream ale style being around in the 1800s, it's ironic, maybe ironic is the wrong word, but it's strange that the most commonly associated beer, uh, Genesee cream ale, it didn't even debut in the United States until about 1960 is when Genesee uh, Brewing Company released the cream ale. It did become, for a short time, the best-selling ale in the United States, in the whole United States, with about a million barrels annually rolling out. And it really, the cream ale, Genesee's version, was really designed to be kind of a, 
a happy medium, I guess, maybe a middle ground, whatever you want to, whatever term you want to say to Genesee's earlier beers that they had. They had a, a beer called Dickens Dry Ale, which was around in the 50s, but allegedly people weren't really digging the the drier, uh, I guess the drier flavor of that particular beer. So Genesee came out with a a far more popular beer. It was a heavier beer, a heavier tasting beer at least, uh, and they called that one 12 Horse Ale. But they needed a replacement, Genesee did, for the Dickens. So they dabbled in the, the, the cream ale style. And the man behind that dabbling, so to speak, was uh, Clarence Gemin. And I apologize if I'm butchering that last name, but I'm, I think it's Gemin. He basically is not telling anyone, or well, he's passed away now, but he would never tell anyone what the formula was, what the recipe was for the cream ale. Uh, he jokingly said to his son, Gary, "It's you keep it under your hat. Allegedly, that's uh, what he did. He kept his recipe under his hat. Uh, no one, well, no one will tell you the recipe. The brewery won't tell you the recipe. But the success and the response from the American public for the beer and how much they liked it allegedly surprised even Clarence himself and Genesee as a company. They weren't prepared for it. Um, the, the million barrels that I mentioned before that Genesee put out of the cream ale every year it accounted for nearly a third of their annual output of Genesee of Genesee's annual output. Um, so that that beer and the brewery basically became virtually synonymous. When you think of Genesee, you think of Genesee cream ale. To say that Genesee came up with a winner in this uh, in this cream ale recipe would be a little bit of an under- understatement, though. Uh, to date, they've won World Beer Cup gold medals in 1990 and 1991 with their cream ale. They've won with that same cream ale silver medals in 1987, 1988, 1993, 1994, and 2005. And they won bronze medals in 1995 and 2002 and 2004 at the Great American Beer Festival. So whatever you think of the style or, or you know, the plainness of the style, it's Genesee's version of the style. The Genesee Cream Ale is a winner. I mean, it, it wins medals. And like I said, it's arguably the style that's most synonymous, or excuse me, it's arguably the beer that's most synonymous with the cream ale style. Now that circles us right back around into today, like I said at the the start, rather. Craft breweries today are doing what craft breweries do, and they're taking a style of beer, just just like we've done with the, we, like I'm involved, just like what they've done with the IPA. You know, you take the IPA style, and that's transformed into your New England-style IPAs, your hazy juice bombs, all that kind of stuff. Same idea with the cream ale. Today's craft breweries have taken that style and really turned it into something else entirely. At the forefront of that, and I'm not just saying this as a Jersey guy, is Carton Brewing in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. They have now obviously other breweries are doing it are doing their thing too, but Carton has a pretty famous uh, line of cream ales, which is their their coffee related uh, Imperial Cream Ales. The Imperial Cream Ale is not a style that's defined by the Beer Judge Certification Program, you know, and it's uh, they can be as much as you know twelve percent ABV. So that is certainly outside of the style guidelines of your cream ale, which should only be up to about five and a half, you know, five point six percent ABV. But truly, with the flavors of coffee that are in it and the sweetness that uh, Carton, you know, creates in in these in these beers. The real term cream ale is almost justified now because now it does, 
you know, for instance, their lead off uh, beer in that series is the regular coffee, which if you're not from Jersey, and it's probably more than a Jersey thing, but we, you know, Jersey, we claim it as our own. Uh, that's a coffee with milk and two sugars. So now you're kind of circling back. Now a cream ale, the name cream ale makes a little bit more sense now. And Carton has quite a few variations in that line, uh, all of which add a certain amount, well, or most of which that add a certain amount of sweetness and all that and, and justify the name cream ale in today's world. Uh, you got the, the cafe churro, which adds like a cinnamon, sugar, vanilla to the mix. Uh, there is cafe, I believe it was Coretto. I don't have it in front of me. I think it's cafe Coretto. It was like the Italian inspired coffee. It had anise in it, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they have the, the St. Kitts coffee, which is aged in rum barrels with coconut. Point being, they've taken the conventional cream ale and kind of turned it on its head and created a whole new, a whole new thing. Is this any less or any more a cream ale than anything else? That's not for me to decide. By the BJCP guidelines, I guess it's technically not a cream ale. But that is today's version of a cream ale. So, yes, so, get, you know, go to the store, get yourself a Genesee cream ale. If you can find, because they don't make them all the time, but find yourself like a regular coffee or something like that from Carton, one of the, one of the variations, and try them both. And you can almost see sort of, old school versus new school right in front of you. And ultimately that's what all this is about, right? Trying as many styles and beers and things like that as you can, you know, unless you're just an untapped hunter, but, uh, you know, and finding something that resonates with you, finding something that you like. So like we say here, don't get too crazy about it. Don't, don't, don't lose your mind over it. It's just beer. Find what you like and drink what you like. So I guess we'll wrap up this session. We'll wrap up session two. What did we learn today about the cream ale? It's a clean beer. It's well attenuated. It's flavorful. It's a lawnmower beer. It's easily drinkable. It's refreshing, uh, similar to your American standard lagers, but just with a little bit more of an oomph. A little. I used oomph again. That's the second time. A little bit more of a of a step up than your American standard lagers. It's going to be somewhat sweet, and it's basically not nearly as strong or hoppy as its pre-prohibition brothers and sisters. And if you want to try the strictest example of the style, then head to your nearest store. You can probably find it anywhere. Pick up a, uh, a sixer of Genesee cream ale and uh, pop them open and see what you think. So that's it for session two. Uh, join us next time on session three when we're going to take a look at the blonde ale. The blonde ale, which doesn't have a strict beer judge certification program guidelines, but it's a style that's increasingly more and more popular, especially with the advent of microbreweries and how microbreweries are exploding. Uh, so we're going to veer out of the BJCP a little bit to take a look at the Blondale and everything that's going on with the Blondale. Uh, here comes the part of the, the podcast where I pandered to you a little bit. So like, subscribe, all that stuff to WGOB Network on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever your podcast listening uh, choices, as well as WGOB Network on YouTube. Uh, that's the home of the Gorillas of Booze and their their videos, whereas iTunes and Stitcher and such is the GOB radio shows. Keep an eye out for season two of GOB TV, which is coming very soon, uh, as well as the, the debut, the launch of GOB Radio. So we're going to have a, a big celebration and launch both those things on the same day. Should be exciting. We, of course, are Available to you on all social media platforms, 
uh, at Booze Gorillas on Twitter, at Gorillas of Booze on Instagram, Gorillas of Booze on Facebook, Gorillas of Booze on Vero. I like saying that one, even though I don't think there's a soul on there. And as always, like we always say, make sure you take some time in your day and get that medicine in you. And there's the bell, so we'll get out of here. My name is Doug. I represent those gorillas of booze. This is the Booze Tutor Podcast. See you next time.